Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. All right. Well, good morning. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, um, I'm just, I'm always so thankful to be up here. It's always humbling and a little nerve wracking, uh, especially I feel like Britney Spears with this. Um, and it keeps like raising up into my, it's like right here. So I kind of, it's whatever. It works. Um, so today, uh, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, <clears throat> we're going to be in John 6, uh, verses 1 through 14. <clears throat> and so uh, I'm going to pray, and then, and then we're just going to get into it, okay? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. I'm, I'm so thankful for this body I'm so thankful for uh, the fact that you died and, and you rose again uh, to make us one uh, with each other, but also with you. And uh, God, I just pray that as we go through uh, the rest of uh, today, God, that you would be glorified. Uh, I pray that you would just remove me uh, from uh, just out of the way. I don't want to be a distraction. I just want you to use me however you see fit, God. And like Sam was saying, God, help me to just... I just want to be fruitful for you. Um, make, us, make us fruitful people. Uh, we're, we're desperate for uh, souls, and we, you know, we don't want to be barren. And so, Father, I just pray that you would bless this time and that you'd be glorified in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, so, um, something that uh, I think... I've consistently struggled with, or just, I think, and everyone kind of struggles with this at some level, uh, is just feeling inadequate, right? Uh, in, in a lot of different ways, and um, it's something that we all will face. And if you haven't, in ministry, if you haven't, like, felt discouraged yet, yet, you will. Um, I'm just letting you know that it's, it's on its way. Discouragement is always right around the corner. And, uh, and that usually comes from all, it can come from all different kind of things. Um, from uh, maybe you haven't had a lot of visitors to Bible study recently. Maybe you had a disciple who decided they, just, they didn't want to do this anymore. Um, maybe you have some kind of besetting sin that you're just like, man, like, why am I not over this? How, you know, whatever. And all of it can lead to this, this point of like where it just seems impossible to like make anything happen. It seems like the task in front of you is absolutely impossible. And there's a good reason that you feel that way. And it's because it kind of is, right? In your power, in your ability, what you can do uh, we're very limited, right? And so, um, <clears throat> Matthew nineteen twenty six says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
ah, like, I could just end the sermon right there. Like, I, I, you know, I, that, that could be it. Um, and, and I think that God's given us even just enough, just in that verse, to be able to move forward in faith, knowing that, like, he is, he is going to be uh, sufficient for all things. His grace is sufficient for every single thing that you need, right? And um, we've been called to some big stuff. There's, God is asking, you know, some big tasks. And um, if we try to take these things on by ourselves, we're, we're in for a rude awakening of uh, disappointment, discouragement, uh, just all kind of, you know, whatever. And so um, I go through some numbers. Ah, man, I should have put this in my slides. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, so there's uh, 491,158 people that live in Kansas City, Missouri. It's a lot of people, right? Um, there's 6.124 million people in the state of Missouri. It's a lot more people. But hold on. There's 68,995,685 people that live in the Midwest of the United States. There's a lot of people too. Um, and then there's uh, 329.5 million people that live in the United States uh, as of 2020. And then, are you guys up to date on the current world population? It's been, it's, we keep getting bigger. Uh, uh, it's, it's sitting at around 7.753 billion people in the world. I can't even, I don't even know what that looks like. I can't even fathom that kind of number. To me, that's like the size of the Chiefs Stadium. I'm like, this is, that's got to be everybody. <laughs> you see, if you've ever been to a football game there, you're like, what is this? There can't be more people. <laughs> but there is. There is more people, surprisingly. And um, that's a big task because God's given us the responsibility. That we're, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And, and that is for the whole world. As every living soul on this planet, we've been given the task of go and teach and, and win people to Jesus Christ, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everybody needs to hear it. That's huge. That's a humongous task. Are you capable of that? I feel completely, I mean, even just in my years of being a Bible study leader in Grandview, there was like 20,000 people that live in Grandview. You know, like, I'm probably met like not even half, you know, maybe half. But so as we go through John 6, we're going to see what God can do with very little among so many, right? We all probably are in some way familiar with this story. This is one of the more famous uh, Bible stories. Even if you're not a Christian, you may have heard of the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with the five loaves and the two fish, right? It's very famous. Uh, but we're, we're going to look at it, and we can't keep this type of faith, this type of testimony at arm's length. It has to be personal. It has to be true for us, all right? And so uh, I'm going to just go ahead and get started. Um, we're going to start out in verses 1 through 6, and I'm just going to go ahead and read them. So after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, uh, which, was, uh, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him 
because they saw his miracles, which he, had did, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Okay, so here we are. This is the beginning. This is where Jesus is seeing this multitude. And um, so, so to start out, we see that Jesus is the perfect example of a shepherd, right? He's the perfect example of a shepherd, and that's not by accident. He's intentionally uh, giving us a template to where we, how we can learn how to be a shepherd because that's, he's entrusted us to, to shepherd the flock, right, while we're here. He, we're the hirelings. We're the people that we're, he's entrusted to watch over his people, right? And so one of the things that we see Jesus do is he lifts his eyes to the field, right? His eyes are not on himself, his eyes are not on his own circumstances or about how tired he is or how, you know, how difficult ministry has been. How, you know, the, he's not talking about, oh, man, all the virtue that's left me from doing you know, miracles. It's just been really draining. I need a second. No, he's, he's, he's inviting this. He's inviting ministry into his life because he cares about people. Um, Proverbs 27, 23. Eric, you actually showed me this verse for the first time. It was when we were talking about finances. Yeah, you, uh, but in this context, you know. Uh, Proverbs twenty-seven, twenty-three says, Be diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds, right? And so we see Jesus here giving us a perfect example of what it looks like. Had Jesus not been lifting his eyes up to the, to the field, there's a good chance that the people wouldn't have been fed, right? Or that the people... Uh, would have been overlooked. And one of the things I think is so cool is that nobody had to remind Jesus, hey, Jesus, these people are following you. They're probably pretty hungry. Shouldn't we get them some food, God? Like, whatever. You know, and you no, know, nobody had to remind Jesus of this, right? Because Jesus knows what you need, Right? And he's just, he looks out and he cares about, even like what Sam was saying, man, he cares about the little things in your life. He cares that you're hungry. He cares that you're tired. He cares that, you know, all these things that, we, you know, they are like, man, you know, we can forbear, we can endure, but God still cares about it. You know, it's not that he's just like this mean God that's like, suck it up, get over it. You know, he's like, no, we got to, you know, whatever, we got to take care of these people. And so it, in order to shepherd well, we must have a diligent eye on the, the, the flock that is before us, right? So for all of you Bible study leaders, for all of you disciplers, for everybody who's, who's investing the word of God into somebody else, if you don't have your eyes up and, you're, and you don't know the state of your flock, you are not going to be able to give them what they need. You're not going to be able to... To, to counsel someone according to what the Word of God says specifically for their situation, you're going to just start throwing random verses and hopefully this, something sticks. If you just throw enough of it, something's got to stick. And, you know, you're like, well, I don't know. I tried. They just don't get it. 
And it's like, no, you don't know the state of this person's heart. You don't know where they're at. You don't know. You haven't taken the time to lift up your eyes from your own circumstances long enough to see that, like, man, this person just needs a hug right now. They just need, like, an encouraging word. Right? Like, maybe they've heard all of the, like, the, the do this because this is wrong and do that and do this. And sometimes that, that's also a part of it. You do need to know when to be able to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, this is not right. And you're going to continue, you know, beating your head against the wall if you just are doing the same thing over and over and over. Sometimes you just need to feed them. Sometimes you just take them in your house. Say, you, you hungry? Let's go get some food. It's on me. And sit there and, and, and invest in them in that way, right? Man, Jesus is such a perfect example of that, obviously, right? We're talking about Jesus, right? Doesn't get much better. Doesn't get better, right? Okay. So, but you could take that same, uh, that same picture and, uh, and look at it from a perspective of Jesus being an evangelist, Right? So Jesus is an evangelist. He's the perfect evangelist, right? He, he, again, has his focus, his attention off of himself, and he's looking to the field, right? The, the field is white under harvest, right? That means that there's people that are looking to be fed. And, and if you, again, if you have your own, if you're number one in your life, you're not going to make yourself uncomfortable long enough to to meet lost people, right? You're not going to see that the people, the lost people in your workplaces or your schools are hurting and that they're weary, right? You ever think about the fact that the lost people in your life, they're actually carrying the full weight of their sin every day. And God forbid that they die in that sin, in that, that, God forbid that they die in that state because then they will eternally be carrying the weight of that sin, right? But even just right now, think about how often you're trying, man, you just try to do right. And sometimes you mess up, sometimes you don't, whatever, but you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so that's just, that's a plus. That's amazing. And the joy of the Lord's not rooted in your circumstances. It's not based on like what, you know, I was, I was reading a, a Warren Wiersbe book uh, recently in Col- on Colossians. Uh, and one of the things he says is uh, happiness is often rooted in happenings. And I was like, dang, that's really, really good because it, it really is. But when you have the Holy Spirit, your, your joy, it, joy is different from happiness because it's not an emotion. It's just a state of being. It's, joy is who Christ is. And so he's living inside of us. So we can have joy even in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials. But the lost world can't. They're carrying the full weight of their sin, and they don't. So if, if you're, like, you're choosing to abuse God's grace and be selfish and have your eyes on you and your own life, your own circumstances, how messed up is that, that there's lost people that are carrying all of their sin right now, and you're too focused on yourself to, to share with them this uplifting message of Jesus Christ taking the weight of that sin, Right? Goodness gracious, it's like, what else? I, I challenge you to give me a reason that that's reasonable. You know, and I'm not saying this from an accusatory perspective. I'm saying this is my own life too. I do this all the time. 
I get really frustrated with things, you know, easily. And then I'm, you know, I'd be at work and I'm like, I just don't, I really don't want to talk right now. How messed up is that? Like, I, I have the cure for cancer. And I just don't feel like sharing it. Whoa. That's jacked up. So Jesus is offering him, offering the people bread, right? No, well, Jesus, he, he is the bread, right? You guys ever think about that, right? So he's offering, he goes on to offer the bread. But in, in John, later, uh, later in this chapter, John 6, 33, 35 says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am that. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. It's like he's offering, he wants to offer the bread of life. He's the perfect evangelist that wants to give everyone the thing that's never going to leave them hungry again. Not temporary happiness. You know, not something to just fix the situation tomorrow or today for eternity that's what Jesus's goal is right and so anyway let's keep moving Uh, these people knew that that Jesus was was all powerful because they were following him because they saw the miracles right so they knew that there was something different even his disciples that were still they still had a lot to see there was still a lot more in Christ's ministry for them to see uh, that was miraculous. But they had seen a lot up to this point. Uh, Jesus healing people that were just diseased. It doesn't even go into necessarily detail, but I mean, later on we get some more detail about some of these specific situations, and it's like, yeah, he's powerful, right? <clears throat> and so this is a this question that Jesus poses to Philip about where are we going to get the the bread to feed this, these people. This is a question, and it says this. This is a question to test him. This is a, a question that is intended to challenge Philip's faith. And so the same question is, this, like I said at the top, like the same question's been given to all of us. You know, hey, we got to feed all these people. How are we going to do it? You know, and Jesus is like, I know what we're going to do. You don't know what we're going to do. What do you think, right? And so, but he is, he's soul-minded. Jesus is directed at the heart of these people. He wants to take care of them. So that's our first key point, is that we should be focused on what God is focused on, right? And that's souls. What else are you going to do, right? Um, man. That should fire you up. Just like Sam was talking about, we should be desperate for the, for the souls of, of men, right? Um, we want to be fruitful. We want to give people the hope of Jesus Christ. So we have to be thinking, how, how am I going to get all these people fed? You should be thinking about that in your Bible studies or at your workplace or at school, wherever you're at. It's like, man, there's a lot of folks that work here or, or that I go to school with. Oh, man, how am I going to get all these people fed? They all need to hear, they all, they're all we- like weary. They need sustenance, right? Be focused on souls. Nothing else is as important. Um, 
All right, so we'll move on. Uh, so this next section will be in uh, uh, verses 7 through 9. It says, And Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Uh, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, Well, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and uh, two fishes, or two small fishes. But what are they among so many? All right. So, don't you guys know that poor odds don't actually deter God? Yeah, like, I mean, it's such a simple thing, but yeah, it's like poor odds are nothing to God. Because and the reality is, is it's because they're only poor odds to us. Because like what I could do. Like, yeah, like that's the chances of me like in the pickup basketball game dunking over Micah Sanders is very low. <laughs> but not impossible. I could, depending on the rim height and how I'm feeling, how my sciatic is acting up. Just, Given all the right circumstances, maybe we're on a spring floor, you know, like, <laughs> watch out, dude. <laughs> but the odds are bad because it's me, right? You know, that's why it's not, it, it, there's nothing too hard for God, right? Back to that verse, you know, it's like, it, with men it is impossible, uh, but with God it, nothing is impossible. Impossible, right? <laughs> Judges uh, 7, 1 through 2 says that then Jerubabel, who is is, uh, Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them, but by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Right? Wow. I think that's pretty cool. So, of course, like you could, you could try to do overkill and, and just make something happen in your flesh, right? We know people like that. You know, we know, that we know people that live a very carnal life and they, they do whatever they want. They work hard in their, in their field uh, and, and they have monetary success and seemingly everything working out in their favor. You do that. It's not going to be nearly what God could provide, right? Um, But that person is riddled with pride and pride cometh before the fall and there's there's nothing uh, that pride is going to give you besides heartache and being left destitute. You're going to hurt everyone around you. Uh, People won't like you. They won't like being around you, right? Um, but man, the fact that God tells them, you have too many people. You need to get rid of some of these people. You know, and Gideon's like, sure? I'm like, we're going to war. And you see, you follow that story, and God actually whittles their army down to 300 people. And, you know, what else do you have to do Besides trust God at that point, (laughs) 
You're like, well, this absolutely is beyond my capabilities. So, God, you're going to have to come through on this one. And how many of you guys have been in that kind of situation? I don't know. There's a lot of, lot of ways, maybe financial. I know we've been in that spot where we're like looking at our bills, looking at our checking account. We're like, I'm no mathematician, but that is not going to work. And somehow, some way, God is able to uh, make things work. And, and, and we can't outgive God, right? So we have, you have to be able to say, like, I, gotta, I have to trust you with this. There's nothing else. I don't have another option. There's nothing I can do. You can be frustrated about it all you want. Who cares? You, you know? There's like a, there's a saying that's like, you can poop in one hand and wish in the other and see which one fills up first, right? You ever heard that saying? <laughs> so it's like you can wish and hope and be mad about it, whatever. Put your trust in Jesus and see what he can do with it. You guys never heard that? All right. I'm coming from a... I don't know. I've been surrounded by mechanics for a long time. <sighs> yeah, they say that stuff all the time. You guys should just Google like mechanic sayings if you want to feel better about yourself. <laughs> like, well, at least I'm not that bad. <laughs> just kidding. Um, right, so, uh, but he does these things intentionally. You know, God uses these situations to humble us and to, to show that there's no flesh is going to glory in God's sight, right? No flesh is going to get to, you're not, nobody's going to be in heaven saying like, oh, look at me. I, you're not trading stories and something like, how'd you get here? And they're like, well, I trusted on Jesus and I was a sinner saved by grace. And then you're like, I was just awesome. And God had to let me in. <laughs> no, nobody's going to be in heaven saying that. We had to all come to the knowledge that I'm a sinner. I am inadequate to save myself. I need to trust in Jesus Christ. The, the odds were stacked against me, right? And so, um, man. So the guys, the guys were faced with some options here, though. They were faced with, they were stuck between, like, what's reasonable in their flesh and, and what God can offer, like what God can provide, and what's possible with the Lord. Um, and so, that's tough. And we wrestle with that same kind of stuff all the time because it's like we know that, man, God is all-powerful. He does a lot of amazing, miraculous things, but then when it becomes personal, you're like, well, I don't really know if God could do that. And so that's where these guys are at. And, and Philip makes that clear. And he's like, man, even if we had 200 penny worth of, you know, I'm not, I tried to convert that. It's like $2,000 or something like that. It's like, even if we had all of this money to buy bread, that still wouldn't be enough to feed this many people, Jesus. And he's saying that to Jesus as if he doesn't see this, right? He's like, I'm well aware uh, that this is, an insufficient thing in the flesh. Um, but what's so cool is you see, this doesn't, 
stop Andrew, the other guy who's just happened, he's just, he's overhearing this. And he's like, well, there's this kid, he's got some bread and two small fishes, uh, and not even regular sized fish, small fish, <laughs> right? I love that little detail. The kid's like, they're big compared to me. I'm like, I caught them. <laughs> Get off it, you know? Um, and so, um, man, what we have in our hands can be considered as just small. We don't have much to offer, right? We ourselves, we're small. We're, we're inadequate in the big scheme of things to be able to reach anybody. Even if you collected us, we're, we're still a, a small people. If you, again, if you visit, revisit those numbers and just see like, man, we're, we're in for it. But it's worth asking him. Like, isn't it, isn't it worth just seeing what God could do with it? You know that you're inadequate, but we can be like Andrew and be like, God, I know this isn't much. I, look at me. I'm not much, but we, I, I'm here. Could you use this? Could you use this, God? And just see what if, what if he could? And how many of you have experienced God using you or someone else or whatever, God has used you to, to impact the lives of, of other people. And in our flesh dwelleth no good thing, and nobody has to convince you of that. You know, you know that in your flesh, you suck, right? You know, like, more than anyone else in this room, you know what, what you struggle with. You know how wicked you could be. You know you don't have anything to offer, but that's not a problem for God. And God can see something that small. He can see something that inadequate and, and, and seemingly useless in the world sense and use it for his glory. So what if we were like Andrew? What can you do with this, God? Right? That's the question that, that Andrew asks at the end of, his, end of his statement. He says, you know, but what are they among so many? We got these five loaves of bread and two fishes, uh, but what is that among this? But it didn't stop him from asking. He still presented it, as stupid as that might seem. You know, it uh, would be kind of silly. Um, man, sometimes uh, I, I was telling Amanda this. I can't help but use my daughter as like a sermon illustration. And that's going to just keep happening. And as she gets older, she'll hate it. And I can't stop. <laughs> it's like an illness I have. Um, but there's times where like me and Genevieve will be on a walk. And sometimes they have all this energy. They have a ton of energy. They want to run around and don't want anything to do with you necessarily. They just want to run. And then they just like seemingly just like when they're done, they're like, I don't want to walk anymore. I'm not moving and then she like gets in front of me and she goes, I'll hold you. I'll hold you. And, and she's meaning for me to pick her up. And me, as a good dad, have to do, make it funny. And I say, no, you hold me. And she's two. And so she's tiny. She's a little. She's a little. 
And uh, so she's like, no, like, no, you hold me, you know? And, and I'll like lean, like sometimes I'll like lay on her, you know? And she's like, too big. <laughs> too big. And, uh, but gosh, it's, it's so sweet. I do pick her up. I do. <laughs> I don't leave her in that state. Just like God, he doesn't leave us there. Um, but that is the picture. It's really cool that, you know, like, there is, there's a task that is too big for my daughter, you know, and she can't move forward if she know, if like, if she's got to carry all that weight, she can't actually do it. She can't actually move forward and progress on our walk, right? And so I, as her father, have to pick her up and hold her and we walk and she gets really sweaty and it's inconvenient but it's the joy like the joy of having my daughter even just want to continue walking with me and just be with me be close to me and 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 just be where I am is so precious and man that's what God's like just don't give up just like I'm here I can actually I'll be with you you know I'll be with you always right like he's promises to never leave us and uh so when we're faced with these things in our life that just, man, this is outside of my abilities. Just know that, like, they're not outside of God's ability, you know? And sometimes I'll, you know, I'll pretend when she, you know, when she, like, she'll, like, punch me or something, like, we're playing, and, you know, I'll pretend like I, like, fall back. Xander does this all the time with her, too. Like, she loves it whenever you pretend like she's strong. <laughs> sometimes I think God does that with us. Like, we get something. <laughs> we're like, oh, my gosh, did, did I do that? <laughs> And God's like, you did. Good job. And we're like. So, that's my daughter. I love her. Um, man. Uh, what Jesus is capable of uh, and, and is, is much more, right? Um, and so sometimes you have to, like, make a... Man, this suggestion may seem stupid. It may seem dumb to even suggest it or to try. Or in the world sense, they're going to say, Don't, why are you doing that? When we have missionaries going to places that are you know, dangerous for Christians, they're going to tell you, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Do you not love your family? <laughs> it's like, no, it's because I love my family. That, like, I want to like, use our lives to glorify God, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many uh, mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world uh, and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So if you feel inadequate, if you feel like you're unusable, you feel like you're not the guy for the, this, this thing, you're not the lady to do this, and perfect. You're, you're a sinner, perfect. Let's figure out how to be used by God because he can use that. And actually, 
He prefers to use the weak things, the base things, the stupid, the, you know, the whatever. If you feel like, man, I'm just not, I'm just not, man, I'm not smart enough to do that. Perfect. Let's all be dumb for Christ because then he can use us, right? You can't be too weak for God, but you can be too strong. You can keep him from helping you, you know? Don't do that, though. Let's be weak. Let's, let's trust in him uh, to be our sufficiency, right? That's our second key point is it's okay to just be foolish for God. Be foolish for God. Make that foolish, uh, you know, assumption. Just tr- trust him. You know what? I know God's going to come through on this, right? It's fo- it, takes, it takes a little bit of foolishness, like the childlike faith. Sometimes my daughter is a fool, but it's not because she's just dumb. It's because she's two. So she does foolish things, like drop all her rice on the floor. And then I got to sweep up rice. You ever swept up like wet rice? So sometimes you just got to leave it there until it's dry, just so you can sweep it up. Um, right? Uh, I had a conversation with a coworker a long time ago where he asked, we, I was... I was sharing the gospel with him. I was sharing my faith. We were on our way to lunch. And he was like, so you're telling me you, you believe like Noah's Ark and everything like that? Like, whatever. And I was like, dude, I just told you I believe that God created the universe. Why would that be where I, like, I'd stop <laughs> like, believing stuff? <laughs> yeah, no, God created the universe, but he can't make a boat. Like, <laughs> how silly is that? So it requires a little bit of foolishness to be like, yeah, but in your foolishness, actually, that makes more sense. I'm like, logically consistent, that means, yeah, God could do that, right? And that's kind of where these people were at, too. It's like, man, if they follow the logical, like, conclu- like t- all the way to its conclusion, they've seen God do all these things. So it's not actually foolish that Andrew's like, what could you do with that? It just, I mean, I've seen you do some crazier things, so maybe. Okay, so into this last section, 10 through 14, I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so, that men, uh, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto, the, unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, uh, which uh, remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that, uh, that prophet that should come into the world, that this is of a truth, that prophet that should uh, come into the world. All right. So now we're, we're at the moment where God comes through. This is the, the provision of Jesus, right? The evidence of, of what God can do with very little. Up until this point, it's just theory. It's all just kind of, you know, I hope he can. I know, he, I know he's capable of it. I hope he, you know, he pulls through and I'm praying that God would show himself mighty. Here we are. It's, it's game time. And so 
sheesh. I mean, this is, this is big. But like we said, we're just quick review, right? Our, in our weakness, he is strong, right? He, in our weakness, he's, he's capable of using us, right? We qualify as the, the weak vessel, the weak things, the, right? Um, but just like my daughter needs me to lift her up, here's God ready to, to lift us up and to be able to do the thing that we can't do in our flesh, right? And so um, John three thirty, he must increase, but I must decrease. We can't be... We can't be standing in the way of God hoping that, you know, he's going to, you know, do it. And we're all the while saying, we don't need you. We can do this. I have to decrease for him to increase. Um, man. You ever think about the fact that God proves himself time and time and time and time and time again to people who don't deserve it? What about us or what about the people throughout history have ever done anything to deserve God to prove himself to them. So he's God. He's there regardless if, if you believe in him. He's there regardless if you trust in him. He doesn't have, he's not like a circus trick. He doesn't need to, to do a little jig and be like, you know, it's like, oh God, if you're real, make this microphone levitate. So he doesn't need to do that. You, the, 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 the emphasis is on whether or not you want to trust him. Or not. He doesn't have to jump through hoops. But you know what? It's funny. He did. He did jump through hoops so that you would believe. And so that he, you, you could know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? He did jump through hoops. <clears throat> He's a good father. He never gives up on us. And man, Jesus gives rest to the weary. Jesus gives us rest. When you're lost, he, he's extending that hand of free, a free gift of salvation. He's saying, here, take this. This is a gift. Would you accept it? Because he wants to give you rest, just like these people that were following him. He's like, let's give these people rest. He says, sit down. Have them sit down. Take a load off. I know we've been moving quite a bit. You guys have traveled. To, to come here. Let's take a, take a break. Sit down and, and hear what I, what I have. I'm going to feed you. Um, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. <clears throat> Matthew 11.28-30 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am, weak and, or I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The world, again, is carrying around the weight of all their sin, trying to figure out how do I become better? How do I become better? How do I, I just, man, I just don't want to be a bad person. I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Whatever that means. Like, it's like, you know, that's changing every single month. One time it's this, and it's, it's always different. So if that's what you're striving for, you're going to constantly be frustrated. But the rest that Jesus gives, he's taking you into his, his fold, and he's saying, take a seat. Let me feed you. Let me take care of you. 
Let me do the things in your life that you're not capable of doing. Are you going to trust that? Are you going to trust him? Are you going to take a seat? You know? The only true rest is found in Jesus. Everything else is exhausting. My, my favorite question to ask when evangelizing is, uh, is uh, if you were to be standing in front of Jesus, in, in front of God, let's say if you believe in God, right? Okay, so you're standing in front of the perfect God, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? Uh-oh, that, that's a terrifying question. And it's really interesting to see how people react to it, because what it does is reveals what they're trusting in. And then it's usually really exhausting. They're like, well, I try to be a good guy, and I, you know, but I mess up, and then I try and do this, and I try and do, I try, and I, and it's like, before you know it, it's like, dude, what in the world? Is, do you do anything else in your life besides try to do things? <laughs> Nothing. They, they don't. They, they're trying to make it into whatever their version of heaven is, right? And they know even the heaven that they've made up, they can't get into <laughs> Uh-oh, like, it's like, man, you made the rules and you still kind of fall short, you know? How, how in the world does that happen? So now we're comparing ourselves to the, the perfect God that, you know, he ha- we, he's calling us to perfection. That's a big ask, right? What are you trusting in? Are you trying to be good enough? Are you trying to, you know, pay it forward? That's your ticket into heaven. You're just going to pay for everyone behind you in the drive-thru. Like, come on, God. Yeah, you're like, God, you saw all those times I did that. <clears throat> Man. You know, the disciples here also, they're not even really aware of what God is about to do. But they have to trust him. They have no other choice. Like, well, you obviously have a plan I don't have a plan. You told me to do something, and I, I can just do that. All right, uh, let's see what you can do with it, right? Don't let your doubts stand in the way of what God can do. Uh, man, in Matthew 13, 58, he says, and he did not many works, or many mighty works there because of their unbelief. As in his hometown, the people didn't believe him. He says, I couldn't even do much because they didn't believe there was no faith there. I couldn't. There's not much I can do with that, right? And so, man. Also, think about the, the boy. He's like, he's like, this is my fish. <laughs> he had to make a choice as well. Like, I mean, he's like, I get it. This is the only food here, but come on. This is like my stuff, and it's not even enough for everybody. But he had to trust Jesus too. He said, here you go. See what you can do with it. I was just going to scarf it down, but... Wasted on myself. Let's see what we can do. Maybe we can help people out. All right, so he had to trust that God could do something there too. So, man. Um, in Mark 5, uh, 40 through 42, it says, And they laughed him to scorn. Uh, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel. Right? This is where he mentioned on this last, time, uh, last week. Uh, the man who's coming, he's, you know, my daughter's about to die, and, and then he, after the, the woman with the issue of blood comes, and then the guy comes back, he's like, don't worry about it, my daughter's dead. 
just, you don't even have to bother yourself. And he says, don't worry. Don't be, be, be not afraid. Only believe. Right? Remember that? And, and Jesus goes, and he says, let's go, let's go see her. She's just sleeping. And everyone around is like, they laugh him to scorn, is what it says. And what he does here, and it says, uh, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered, uh, entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, uh, for she was of the age uh, of 12 years. Uh, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. But you know who didn't get to see that? The people who didn't believe. They, did, they, they missed out on something amazing just because simply they didn't believe that God was capable of something outside of themselves. Like, well, I can't believe it, so it can't be true. How silly is that? Like, there's so many things that are hard to believe. Scientifically, it's hard to believe that bumblebees can fly, but they do. Doesn't make sense, but they do it. Or even how, like, a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. That's kind of crazy. We were over at Joy uh, Ryan's house with her parents, and show, they have, like, caterpillar eggs or cocoons. <laughs> right? Crystals or something? It's like something. Yeah, crystals. <laughs> they grow out of crystals. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're just a butterfly. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to explain that. Anyway, it takes a lot of faith and, and trust, right, to, to give that to the Lord. Uh, it's not going to always make sense, but it doesn't have to make sense to you in order to be obedient, right? God says that it's better to, to obey than even sacrifice. Like, it's like, okay, you know what, God? I'm just going to do this one little step. I don't even know what this is leading to. Maybe God's calling you to say, take this one step. Uh, you just need to get baptized, Maybe you have never actually put your trust in Jesus Christ ever for even just salvation. You've never met Jesus as your Savior. And you're being confronted with the gospel that says that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life that you couldn't live. He died the death that you deserve to become the perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices so that you didn't have to taste death, right? That's what he says in Hebrews, in Hebrews 2.9. He says that he, he became little lower than the angels so that he could taste death for every man. Oh, my goodness. He did that for you. And maybe you've never actually experienced what Jesus Christ has to offer. And he says, if you confess and believe, and thou shalt be saved. Right? You're, if you're carrying around the weight of your sin, don't try and convince me that that's not exhausting. I was lost. I was, I was a bad dude. And it got exhausting. Just trying to clean up my tracks and like make sure everyone that I had double-crossed and everything, you know, all the problems that I had created, I was trying to like... It became so exhausting. This web of lies and cheating and it just, it's, it is exhausting. And all the same while trying to be good enough to be in heaven. I knew it, right? I would just be like, God, sorry for cussing. I don't, I didn't mean that. <laughs> and then it's like, but that was my attempt. And when I experienced that Jesus Christ, when I encountered the real gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died, rose again, and defeated death so that I could live, 
It changed everything. And I, could, I realized I didn't have to try so hard to be perfect because he was already perfect. And he's saying, just hide in here. He's got his like cloak. And he's like, come in here. You don't have to be perfect. I'm perfect. Here, come here. Walk with me. No one will, no one will see you as you were. We're hiding behind Christ. Thank God that I don't have to be perfect. I'm not. I'm not even close. And neither are you. <clears throat> Man. Key point number three, what Jesus has to offer is much more than we can provide. And these are all like simple things. These are all kind of basic, simple truths. Um, but like I said, like the hard, the big things are not necessarily the, you know, I talk about this with guys I'm discipling, Kenton and I were talking about it yesterday. Just like, I don't have a hard time believing Noah's Ark. I don't have a hard time believing uh, Jesus walked on water or, you know, like some of those things, it's like so incredible. I don't know why. Just like maybe God just dealt with that in my heart, like immediately. Um, but what I have a hard time with is believing that God loves me and that what God, his, his plan for my life is sufficient and that I can rest in Jesus. I have a hard time believing that because I see myself in light of his word and I know I'm like, man, I am messing this up. And so if you feel that way, if you know that that's you, man, you need to be able to just believe that. It's, just, it's like if John 3.16 is true, Romans 8.1 has to be true. There's therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, right? That has to be true. And the longer that we focus on ourselves, right, we're not focused on what God has uh, in front of us. We're not focused on the lost or that are in front of us or our brothers and sisters that need investing. We're not focused on that. We're focused on ourselves. The longer we do that, the more time we're going to just spend just beating our head against a wall, Right? The longer that we, we choose to not believe things that seem foolish, because it's like, because again, oh, I can't believe it, it can't be true. The longer we, we stay in that spot, you're gonna just keep doing it. You're gonna just be in the same spot forever and just being like, well, why hasn't God proven himself? What in the world? He has. So, yeah, in conclusion, if, if you know that um, you're trying to take on the whole world in your power, what you have to offer, stop. Take a seat. <laughs> Rest. Hear the word that God has given you and please trust in it. Trust God for his simple promises even. I can provide. Take no thought for tomorrow. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Is that real, or is that just poetry? So, I, I don't know sometimes. Sometimes I think I've, I, fall in a, a, I, I fall on either side sometimes, where I'm like, do I really believe this? Or am I just like, is this just poetry to me right now? And I need to believe it, I, and it's a choice. I need to choose to believe God at his word. And if we don't, we're just going to be frustrated. 
and so, I love you guys. I'm thankful uh, to be able to share with what uh, with you guys what God has shown me, and I hope that it was a blessing. Um, and I hope that it's something you can take into your day-to-day lives. That's always a, you know, a goal of mine preaching is that it would have handles that you could say, well, I, this is missing, this is, and this. And I can take these, these verses and I can apply them to my life in this way tomorrow or right now, right? And so if you have something that you know that you're holding back from the Lord because of lack of faith or maybe you've never actually known Christ, I encourage you guys to, to, to come forward and work through that as we have counselors. David, if you want to come on up, um, we'll have people up front to help you work through those things, right? I believe there's probably, there's multiple things from here, from this passage that we could be trusting God to, to reveal to us or to, to help us, you know, be more like Christ in this. Um, and so uh, whatever that is, I encourage you, don't, like Sam was saying, don't let your whatever your insecurities keep you from being right with the Lord. He's worth being right with. That's, a, that's something I've always heard Sam say, and it's never going to get old, because he's totally right. God is absolutely worth being right with. Um, and so, um, uh, can I pray? And then, yeah, so Lord, I just thank you so much for today. God, I, I love you. Uh, I'm thankful for this word. I'm thankful uh, that you've given us new life. I'm thankful that... Um, we can trust you uh, for the big things and for the little things, the things in between, whatever it is, God. What, help us to just lay all of it down at your feet and, and to say, God, I know I'm not enough. But in that acknowledgement, also agree that you are enough and, and help us to really believe that and trust that uh, and give you everything that we have. We're not gonna do anything good with it anyway. Uh, so Lord, help us to, to trust you um, Lord, I love you. I pray that uh, we would uh, be encouraged and that we'd be able to go throughout our weeks uh, dwelling on these things about how good you are and that that would uh, uh, motivate us to to share the gospel, to feed the lost in our lives. Uh, And yeah, I pray that you'd be glorified in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.